I don't know why every time I post is the time that my child instinctively has to have some kind of fundamental fucking meltdown. There is a connection. <laughs> like this, Jones, you're He's an intuitive little bud too. My vibe. <laughs> I love you. And also get your shit together. <laughs> hey, little man. I'm fairly certain <laughs> you and my wife are the same person because that's how she feels about me. <laughs> <laughs> You are not unlike my two and a half year old. I'm, I'm sure I'm not. <laughs> Particularly when, you know, angry. So hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an episode by episode deep dive appreciation of the Brian Fuller created series Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories I am Ellie Sue Milano. You may remember me from times such as the last episode of this series. With me as always are my illustrious obstacle co-hosts. Uh, beginning with the light of my life. She's the gold dust woman, Lisa K. Weber. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, Justin Peniston, he is not a one-minute man. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It just came to me. I was just listening to that song yesterday. Anyway, he also is the writer of the hard-boiled webcomic Hunter Black and Netflix's song, right? <laughs> I feel really, um, yes, yes. Seen? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Up next, we have Claire oh, Thorne. She is your guide to Geeky Cross Stitch. She has a phenomenal Etsy store. She is a honky tonk woman. Hello, Claire. That's true. I am a honky tonk woman. You are. Like yeah, ancestrally. <laughs> it's in my DNA, I think. It is in her DNA. And finally, the man who makes it happen. He's responsible for the cuts and the edits. He is a magic man. It's Philip Kelly. It's not It's not magic, it's technology. I just want to make that clear. There's no right. spells That's cast. That's the last time I compliment Arthur you. Arthur C. Right. Clarke, baby. I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So <laughs> now that that's done, um, before we dig into our discussion, Philip and Claire will take us through a not so quick recap. <laughs> well, everyone is back at the dinner table. Hannibal is toasting Jack and Will and roasting the trout that they caught while fishing earlier at the lake. It's snowing outside. Cute. Also, the BAU team found a woman sewn into the body of a ho dead horse, so everything is actually terrible. Uh, Hannibal is oozing happiness given he's sleeping with Alana, has friends again, and is consulting on this murder. He's saying something about how it's someone who thinks like no one else just before we cut to the introduction to the shitty burger siblings we've all been waiting for. Marco Verger slinks around Hannibal's office during her therapy session in a Dior suit and an arm sling. She attacked her brother, trying to kill him, but failed. Hannibal is like, would have probably felt good to just kill him. Then we cut to a remarkably steamy sex scene between him and Alana. Lots of cool cuts on this one. Oh, pun intended there? Nice. Anyway, they start talking about Will after sex again. After the BAU team finds a living bird inside the dead horse woman's corpse, Jack takes Will over to the crime scene to figure it out. Will's theory is that whoever sewed this corpse into the horse was not the killer, but someone trying to heal her. That's what we all thought, right? They all, they, they go to visit a man named Peter who works at the stable. He's clearly not totally well and lives amongst a menagerie of caged fauna, admits to being kicked by the horse and that he just really loves animals. Will isn't convinced that he's the killer, but is sure that he knows who is. That he, but is sure that he knows who is. So he goes to see Peter again, alone. This time he points him in the direction of his Ted Bundy-level creepy show of a social worker, Clark Ingram. 
They bring him in, and while Alana questions him, Will is basically like, this guy is psycho as the day is long, but they have nothing to keep him with, so they cut him loose. Pete almost immediately finds the cages of his menageries empty. He knows who did it, and from his Deadeye interview, we can easily guess it's the creepy-ass social worker. So Peter heads to the barn where he used to work, finding that exact heartless bastard standing over the dead body of the horse that kicked Peter, hammer in hand. The poetry is killing me. Will and Hannibal arrive to find Peter sewing the stomach of the horse together, not a good look, and assume he killed Clark. Oh, he didn't. Clark's just in the horse, but he's alive. Peter just wanted him to know how it felt to be sewn into a horse, naturally. Clark claws his way out, and Will is so fucking over this dude and everyone else that he eggs him to pick up the hammer so he can shoot him dead. Hannibal sees where this is going and calmly tells Will to get a grip. We end with Hannibal taking Will's face in his hand whispering sweet nothings about how exhilarating Will's unpredictability is. And then they almost kiss. The end. Exclamation point. exactly points. what happened. Okay, so I totally projected that last part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Though you uh, felt that tension, right? It was you were there. all Did thinking you, I mean, yeah. I mean, that wasn't on you, Kelly no, Sue. No. I mean, we all yeah. saw the kiss. We all saw our it. hearts. We all saw it. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so yeah. much. We've, so, we, so we've much, been so seeing much. flashing lights as well, but we definitely all saw that kid. Mm. And the flashing lights were the firework of burgeoning love. Anyway, okay. So the title of this episode is Suzakana, which is a dish of vegetables in vinegar, typically served as a palate cleanser in a multi-course Japanese meal. This doesn't feel like a palate cleanser of an episode, like at all, but it is the first episode where we sort of have a reborn version of the original team. Will's out of jail. We're not doing the weird courtroom drama thing anymore. You know, we think that they all think that they've got the Ripper. So it's kind of like we're back at the beginning, but a new beginning. Um, you know, Hannibal, Will, and Jack, they're all out solving heinous murders. But it's also not the same. So I want to just talk about like what feels different and what is also feeling like them going back to a sort of a form of a status quo, because this episode is kind of the beginning of a new chapter. Yeah. Well, we first have to talk about Will's wardrobe because <laughs> since the final scene of the last episode, and going forward now, it, it's a new will. Like it, it, the haircut is still working and he shows up to a barn investigation with a dead horse, right? In a nicely tailored overcoat and a, a scarf that he suddenly knows how to style uh, very nicely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's true. Oh yeah, none of that went unnoticed by uh -uh. me. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, def I I <laughs> I love that you um like tied in the palate cleanser to the nature of um this episode because it really is like it's you know it's the next chapter mm -hmm. we're starting a new chapter, um and um I love it like I like the uh, Price and Zeller stuff and how mm -hmm. they're operating now. It really was like a weird return to the first season where it's like, yeah. okay, we've got a crime. It's our, it's our murder of the week. Let's solve our murder of the week, you know? Yeah. Um, so it did, it was this kind of like return to an earlier form, but obviously with so many differences. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I mean, we talked a little bit in the last episode about like, you know, Will and Hannibal, like knowing what the other is up to. That's obviously mm -hmm. a huge difference from the first time around. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, yeah, 
that's just uh this is good shit, Kelly Sue. I like that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this is kind of them, mm-hmm. This is kind of them resetting the chess pieces for the yeah. next phase of the fight. I you know, I, I spoke a little bit about in the previous episode about uh it becoming kind of a soap opera. And you see that a lot in this, in the way the transitions are lit with that heavy, bright white light. Um it, it's very clean, austere, uh, you know, it, it's glowy. Um, and you see it twice. You see it with the, the Alana sex scene, which mm-hmm. might be the most uncomfortable sex scene I've ever witnessed. Um, <laughs> but also, but also, also you, Hannibal has a surprisingly hairy chest. He like does. I would, I like, would, I, I would have pegged him as a waxing guy. But that's <laughs> no, just, I'm, it's I'm it's fine. It's fine. It's but I'm just saying, well, it's um, more than fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I have a hairy chest, so I, I it's not, it's nothing new to me. Um, the other thing is. Uh, that, that that transition is also used when we do the is it how do you pronounce it Viger burger burger when we kind of are introduced to her we also get that you know the cutting around and then in that sort of dissolving with very bright white lights happening and it's it feels very soap opera it's uh quite remarkable so i mean yes the elevated is, soap opera yeah very elevated yeah, soap opera I, I see what you're saying yeah um, and so, if there's anything that's soap opera in Hannibal, it's the Vergers. Oh my God! Oh, it, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, it, so yeah, it does feel Ugh. like uh, like a mid season reset, um, but also in tone, it it kind of resets that as well, uh, like fully and completely now. Um, and so I, I found that to be a very interesting shift. Uh, that in wondering where it's going to go next with that sort of tone. Um, cause with the other ones, it's easy to pick up. Oh, courtroom drama. Oh, this, oh, that, you know, but this is very much, you know, it's a little different in, in tone. It struck me this go around in terms of what's different now for the, for the team, you know, it, we're back to the procedural, but we don't have Will coming back into the, the BAU offices. I mean, he's out on the scene, but you uh, normally we would expect him to be there as the you know autopsy of this girl is happening, but he's he's not there, and I think it speaks to you know the separation that's that's growing. Um, you know, they they can't fix the even though you know some of them are trying to with handshakes and whatnot, but they can't fix the oh yeah we thought you were a psycho killer. Um, Mm-hmm. just well, you know like, a hot like, second like, ago yeah and like will says to peter like later on in the episode where he's like oh i'm not fbi and he's like i used to be kind of fbi but i'm really not anymore <laughs> so it's yeah like, well and i think yeah it's, it's interesting that you bring that up too because hannibal is actually the first one to sort of broach that topic at the very beginning when they're having the dinner and he's saying you know we can't there's no way that we're ever going to forget what we've been through and what we've done to each other, but we have to like move forward or blah, blah, blah. And Will is like, yeah. And Will is also like, um, I'm happy to be the one supplying the meat. So I know what I'm eating. Right. 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 After (laughs) Hannibal is like, we need to put it behind us. There was like (laughs) so much bitchiness in that opening dinner scene. I loved it. Well, the, the opening, opening scene is uh, interesting to me, the fishing where it implies that Jack is in on the next manipulation Um, Mm -hmm. to what degree, you know, who who knows, or if Jack even knows what he's talking about in that scene, what Will's talking about, it's hard to say for me right now, but obviously Mm -hmm. something has to get them to that opening scene in the first episode. So yeah. Um, well, I really hope that the trout that they catch for the dinner table are are part of the exquisite corpse of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> or um, Hannibal chopping them up. Good lord, there's some. Yeah, that's what I mean. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually yeah. a perfect transition into my next point, which is the imagery is heavy, mm-hmm. as always in this episode with bodies going into animals and animals coming out of animals and people going into animals and dealing with animals. <laughs> like many animal imageries going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from the trout to the fish and the eels and the verger kind of like flashback that we get of Margot. Um, 
And then obviously the murders of, you know, women being sewn into horses and then birds flying out of their chest cavities. So there is very much a symbolism of life, death and rebirth going on. I mean, I think that that's probably thematic for this entire show, but really pointed in this episode. Um, and it kind of got me thinking back to sort of like the roots of my first question, which are like, how do we see this playing out in each of the characters respective becomings? Because not one of them, like their relationships have changed, but they have also changed. And how do we see that playing out for them personally? You know, Will is obviously, that's the obvious one, but with Jack, even with the, you know, with Zeller and Price, they've kind of become more intimate with each other. We get to see a more intimate side of their friendship now. So I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there. See what you think. You're going to yeah, pick it up. I, um, I, I like this. I want to talk for a minute about Alana. Let's actually. do it. And like as far as like the nature of transformation as it's kind of like presented in this mm -hmm. and the whole death and rebirth and everything because that sex scene was so weird mm -hmm. <laughs> weird <Yeah. laughs> yes well, i had flashbacks of fight club and if you remember the sex scene in that it was inspired oh by yeah it was inspired yeah. by fight club yeah it, it seemed yeah, to be yeah, almost totally like that. almost shot for shots i totally like so and i i I yeah. get that, but it's like, this was, it's just so weird. And I, I, there was like a really jarring cut at the end of that scene where it's like, they, they have this crazy sex scene. They have the pillow talk about Will. And then like Hannibal's like, all right, let's go again. And then it cuts immediately to like a close up of the dead woman who's been taken out of the horse in the morgue. Like it was a mm -hmm. jarring cut. It's upsetting. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just, I wanted to spend a minute with that because I was like, I mean, there's so much about like sex and death mm -hmm. and how closely related those two things actually mm -hmm. are. But of course, sex also, you know, leads to birds sometimes. And it's just like, it's all just so like, roiling and related and in like specifically in regards to Alana in that moment yeah. I was like whoa well and, and what the scenes we the scenes <laughs> we get with Alana are the sex scene and then later when she is interviewing the social worker guy mm -hmm. who's horrible but anyway um, and what is it that Will said, I think Will says to Jack while they're watching her interview him that she, he's like, oh, that's really smart. She's using like emotion. She's, she's talking to him about his feelings to try to see like where his, his, you know, boundaries are, his edges are or whatever. And I thought, oh, well, that's not unlike what she's doing with Hannibal in a way. Like she approaches everybody that way. She's she's examining Hannibal's feelings among other things. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, the, I was reading about this sex scene because I was so perplexed by it and found out that they had originally wanted to do it earlier. I think sometime in the first season and they ended up not doing it because of the technical ask of shooting it. So you know that they wanted, they were looking for something very specific with the way that mm -hmm. they shot this scene and how it felt. So the fact that we're all sort of like, I don't feel good <laughs> after <laughs> watching. Yeah, that. I did not yeah. find that sex scene at all sexy. No, no, no. at it's all. Not, it's not at all. And I think that's a really, that's a really fascinating point. And then the cut to the dead woman, yeah. like yeah. I was drawing parallels between like, I don't know. I, and I, this it could be completely unfounded, but I was like, I feel like the bird flying out of the dead woman's chest, like that bird is a symbolism of Alana to me mm. within this Will Hannibal Jack melange 
you know, um, that she, I, I, there's, I don't know if it's blinded by innocence or whatever, but she gets deeper and deeper into this tangled web and still she's the one that's like, what? Mm-hmm. But not because she's not smart, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's really interesting. So that struck out to me. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I so. just love the bird discovery scene. I, it just, it's one of the moments in the series that is so much fun because it is, it's so absurd and you get to have, you know, some of our favorite characters, right? Like I would, I would love to have so many more minutes with, um, Fred Stewart, <laughs> company no, I right like coming. just <laughs> I, I felt that coming from a mile away Claire a mile away right yeah. um no but I would just love to have so many more minutes and and for whenever the show gives them these really great mm. scenes it's just always so so good um the look on Jack's face when that bird comes out the fact the bird yeah. like fluttering its wings and you you feel the wetness of the blood and it just it's such a great scene. It's also a scene of a miracle, right? Like it's, it's the bird coming out of something at when the bird should not be able to, from where a bird should not be able to survive is this symbolism of a miracle, um, second birth, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that, that kind of, you know, plays pretty heavily, um, for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a great episode. We're going to get to talking about Jeremy Davies, right? Like, oh yeah, I do assume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amazing. I want to make sure to talk all about Jeremy Davies at some point in this episode. Yes, absolutely. I also want to talk more about the bird and uh, Peter's feelings about the bird and his concern for the bird. Um, after we take a break and hear some messages from really important sponsors about some really cool things. Catch you back here in just a minute. Um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the other characters in this because they are fascinating. Peter, the stable hand. Wow. What a performance. And also the social worker. This I blew my mind. So let's talk a bit about this kind of like subplot and how this landed for you and how this sets us up for such a beautiful ending. Because we couldn't have had that moment without Peter and without Clark Ingram. So let's dive into that. Well, if I, I get may... to talk about Jeremy Davies now. <laughs> yes, you can. Go. <laughs> Yay. Go uh, for it. Phil. Um well, yeah, who wanted to, yeah, who go, wants Phil. to go first? Phil no, no, I, I was gonna say that um <laughs> this is one of the more in, in viewing it the first time, one of the more heavy-handed sort of murders in the way it relates to what's going on and and it feels necessary because it, it has to push sort of Will Graham to the point of almost pulling the trigger at the end. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting to get in a reset something so heavy handed because <laughs> it really, it, I mean, and they, yeah, they just bonk you over the head with it from oh, almost yeah, beginning yeah. to end. It's like, <laughs> I, I felt like one of those little uh, moles that pop Para out of the Lels. thing. Little, yeah, a little <laughs> yeah. mole popping out and them hitting me with the hammer as I came up every time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, whack-a-mole, uh, it's called whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, yeah, uh, I did. So I, I thought that was an interesting element or to go so hard into it. Um, I guess just to catch up all the people who, yeah, every now and then you need an episode like that to catch up people who are kind of like, what's going on now? Mm-hmm. And so you get that and you're like, oh, I see everything, you know, just to sort of solidify all the elements that are happening for the audience that's maybe a little behind. Um, and also, also, this yeah. was not, it, this is a show from pre streaming days. This is a network. Yeah, yeah I was exactly. Just say exactly. Exactly what Justin said, where, yeah. I, yeah, I was like, remember, people had to wait a week yeah. between yeah. episodes. 
So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, it is kind of, it is, it does almost feel kind of like in some regards, a filler episode hmm. um, as they kind of reset to move on to the next part of the story. Cause you're introducing some new characters, introducing some new plot elements. Um, it's a reset, but also kind of like, but here are all the themes we're dealing with in one, as opposed to doing, let's, uh, let's go back and look at all the episodes that have happened previously to kind of catch everybody up like they do in, syndicated tv uh they're they're doing it through one of the murders um which is clever and smart and does it does progress the plot forward to a, a you know a large degree as well um so I, it was interesting an interesting first viewing of this yeah whenever jeremy davies shows up in a show you know shit gonna get crazy um and very weird and delightful um he is one of my favorite characters in the long running series justified as well in which I think he plays it's interesting because in the last episode we were talking about Frederick Chilton being the fool of the show and I think it's interesting that we get this Peter character who is a very different kind of like who people would want to think of as being the fool mm-hmm. but who isn't who isn't right like it's a this is almost like we're getting a character uh expressly um served up to us to to say okay well here's 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 a character that can be stereotyped as a fool but here's why he's not a fool why he's how he's pure of heart um and it's it's interesting that Jeremy Davies, for me at least, it's interesting that he plays this character because it just, he's so quirky and so out there. Um, having him in this show is, I, I get the same kind of vibes, right, as I did from Amanda Plummer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where you have a very specific kind of actor being given a role but then it's 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 different in a way where um it allows the audience to connect with this character in a very specific way and that's and that's what we're meant to do in this episode is to feel protective and even even though we see that he has this like rage you know mm-hmm. moment he has this in him um he is he is a character that should be protected by people yeah and will can't help but see himself in that he should have been protected by the people around him and he hasn't been Mm -hmm. um and you know someone's been able to manipulate him so the relationship with peter and clark is pretty perfect um it's a pretty perfect sort of metaphor for will's pain right yeah um and yeah, that's what they were going. Performances that are off the chart by both of these actors. I mean, listen, they're not casting some freaking blowhards to come in here and do this work, right? Like, I am always astounded by the guest cast, always. And I want to sing their praises in every single episode because even the folks that come in to do these one off serial killer um, performances like that the the scene where Clark is being interviewed by Alana is like burned into my brain because of how creepy the dude is while trying to be like I'm a good guy Mm -hmm. it's such a trip Justin how did this how did this this B story land for you um well I mean we sort of already discussed how like it's such a clear mirroring Mm. of the Hannibal Will dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know, right down to, you know, when Will, you know, is first introduced, they made much, much was made of the fact that he was seemingly on the spectrum and that gets brought Mm -hmm. back up. And, you know, he's a guy with, you know, mental health issues or at least someone who's not neurotypical, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have that same kind of guy in peter bonaducci or whatever his last name is um who is you know um you know who's been kicked in the head and Mm -hmm. has you know this really strange quirky way of being um 
but maybe has an almost supernatural understanding of people and how they relate. Um, you know, there was even at one point, and again, I'm glad they didn't do this because it would have been a step too far. There was a point when um, Brian Fuller was considering having the bird be put dead into her chest and alive when it came out. And he oh, thought that was a touch that made the show too overtly supernatural as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, just skirting the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire sort of hit, um, hit on the head with Jeremy Davies. You know it's going to be some really cool weird shit if he's on screen. Yeah. Um, and Chris, and I'm going to mingle his name, Chris Diamantopoulos, mm-hmm. who played Clark Ingram. Yes. Yes. You know, he plays some creepy, sinister dudes from time to time. Like, I've been noticing his name popping up more and more in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he is, um, he is really good at this role. Like, the Ted Bundy, uh, you know, illusion is, is spot on. Um, but I really loved how he is such, they are really two halves mm-hmm. in a way that Hannibal and Will are not. Because Will and Hannibal are two holes. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they're both geniuses. They're both intuitive. They're both, you know, creative. Whereas without uh, Peter, um, or rather without Clark, Peter, yeah. or, no, no, without Peter, Clark is sort of a banal by the number serial killer. You know, he strangles mm-hmm. people and buries them in a the field. You know, that's like, you know, that's that's like the real world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, nothing. You know, where's my wound man? Where's my, you know, yeah. where's my <laughs> woven into a tree on a totem pole? You know, um, <laughs> and in the same way, without Clark, Peter's just kind of pathetic. You know, and someone we feel sorry for. You know, we it, it's easy to imagine him pining for the girl who was killed, yeah. you know, because he's too weird to be, hook up with her. Like, he, you know, without each other, mm-hmm. they're simply stereotypical characters. Right. But together, they form this really powerful mirror for Hannibal and Will, which is really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember on the first watch of this episode, really it was the first time that I was starting to relate to the murders on the show as an outpicturing of what was going on for Will and Hannibal. Mm. It wasn't as straightforward in some of the earlier Pablos necessarily, but I, it totally reframed the way that they were dealing with the murder of the week type Mm. of story. When we, when we get those, you know, like obvious one, I'm not going to talk about because Bill doesn't know, but um, <laughs> it was the first time that I really was like, oh, the murders are also symbols. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome, Kelly Sue. Um, um, so I love everything that you're saying. Lisa. Um, I just wanted to, uh, I mean, uh, obviously I will, I will add to the praises on Jeremy Davies and Chris. Chris Dean. <laughs> um, uh, they're completely amazing. And like, yes, I like my heart feels so strongly for Peter's character. But I really love like what he says at the end, like after he's sewn Clark into the horse and um, he says to Will, I used to be so terrified of hurting people. He helped me get over that. And it's kind of like what you were saying, Justin, about like how they complement each other in that sick way where, mm-hmm. I don't know, that hit me a lot as someone who kind of like, who sometimes struggles to like engage more like deeply with the world around me sometimes because mm-hmm. it's scary and I'm afraid of being hurt. And yes, I am also afraid of hurting people. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, there was something about that statement delivered by that character in that moment that like really, really like I felt. Um, 
And then of course, like, you know, that just leads us to so many great final seconds and minutes of that episode. Um, but, oh, and I also wanted to say in regards to Chris D, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him. I mean, like I've seen him play creepy comedic characters a lot lately because mm. um, he's got really good comedy chops. And I yeah. think that even comes through in this episode too, like in that final scene of him, like getting out of the horse. Yeah. Being born again. <laughs> and uh. like him like desperately trying to like salvage it yeah did kind of veer a little bit into comedic territory in the yeah. way he performed it but I liked that because it was the flip around where it's like no this guy is the fool you know? oh yeah so oh, I love that I love all of that um yeah. we have um I love everybody's thoughts and opinions on all these things I love listening that's the hardest part about hosting is that I just start listening to everybody and I'm like, oh, wait, I have a job to do. <laughs> I'm do that job now. Because there are hell of exquisite corpse in this episode. And um, to take us through the corpses that we deal with, because wow, it is our one and only Justin Peniston. And I have a feeling that we're all going to get taken to school right now. Problem with this, this is like the worst episode to do for Exquisite Corpse because everything is so on the nose. Mm. Like they tell you straight up, like, Oh, I mean, they use words like chrysalis and rebirth and, you know, and we know that, you know, like, like the metaphors and the symbolism is just writ large on the episode. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't even try to hide it. Right. But, but I do got a little something for it. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I already pointed out, and I'll say it again, that Clark Ingram, the actual serial killer, is the most mundane killer to have thus far appeared on the show. Hmm. Um, he's almost unworthy of our elite squad. And he doesn't become worthy until Peter joins in and Peter takes the body of one of his victims and puts, in, puts, her, puts a bird into her and then puts them both into a horse. Hmm. Um, birds, uh, at, at one point, um, Will says that you know, almost every society has, you know, has uh, used the bird as a symbol for bringing the soul to heaven. And mm. indeed, birds are symbolized the world over as bridging the gap between earth and heaven. Um, and more than that, birds are also lovely winged creatures, which brings to mind butterflies. It's interesting that when a chrysalis opens, in this case, the girl, uh, what's her name, Sarah Kraber, um, something lovely and winged comes comes out and flutters and begins a new life almost. Um, now the horse is a darker, creepier image the world over. Mm -hmm. The horse has very strong roots with early, early man. It's a very chthonic image. Like the beginnings of mankind's association with the world around him have to do with the horse. Um, the horse is a symbol of the beginning of time, of our primordial origins, a bringer of both life and death. Horses are something that we can mount and ride and go forth, but horses are also wild beings that are uncontrollable. I mean, it's not, um, for example, if anyone remembers the Black Stallion, you know, the Black Stallion's name was Shaitan, which is Arabic for Satan. And the Black Stallion's first cult was actually named Satan. You know, like these horses, like there is something of the benign and the malign when it comes to horses in our imagery. Um, so, you know, both, these, both of these images represent life and death, the benign and the malign, God and the devil, Will and Hannibal. Clark or Peter and Clark 
like all of this like sim- all of this symbolism has this sort of creator destroyer good and evil sort of thing that all stacks upon each other it's not just life death and rebirth there is also all that Hannibal will shit baked into this as well yeah it's, it's interesting you're talking about the act yeah. of creation too because I feel like the way when Hannibal really reacts to things he sees the connections he's had with other uh secondary characters in the show um it's been most heavily with the people who he i think admires for that act of creation so we had the the you know uh uh musical uh killer what was his name i can't remember now tobias Um, budge yes thank you tobias budge we had you know he was creating something like a new sound um, and then we see Hannibal's reaction to the mur- the um, muralist the um, when he's on top of the silo and his appreciation for what that person achieved. And I feel like we see that with Hannibal in this when when you know this guy starts to come out of the horse and Hannibal realizes he's you know wasn't killed and put in there but is still alive and being you know rebirth. You see a moment of just like shocked appreciation on his on his face i think he appreciates that uh that element of what we see and of course you know jeremy davies character is not a killer but he's still connecting to that level of like um mystical creation like just like this is something above normal human being ability like there's there's a a an aspect of godlikeness in everything and, and Hannibal keys in on that really, you know, heavily. And and further, I think it's really telling because you're right, he does key on that and he does appreciate it, but he has nothing but scorn for Clark Ingram. Right. Like he's yeah. like, you should shut up. Yeah, you're just a wannabe. My favorite is, is not... when he's like, if I were you, I'd crawl back in there. i know he has so many great burns for clark in that last oh man so many just like the medalist there's no such thing as not not with that attitude (laughs) there's a yeah but that that is exactly the best description of hannibal's perception of just the normal human being though too right like they're they're just pigs this he is just worthy the only thing he's makes him worthy is being a part of this other person's creation right yeah what were you gonna say phil oh no just this is like a little moment that i that i noticed uh when will is helping peter up off the ground they start to slip and hannibal Mm. involuntarily goes down to help them Mm. uh and it was just a little moment uh whether it was hannibal or whether that was the actor sort of like oh they're about to fall i'm gonna move in they kept it in there and that's like something you keep in um, I, it was an interesting little beat. Uh, uh, when you involuntarily go to help someone, you care about them, right? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, an interesting little moment of Hannibal caring about Will and Peter falling over. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a very small little moment. Um, well, I would also say, have to, to add on to that. Like if it was Ingram, I don't think he would have bent over to help. Well, but that's an involuntary reaction. It is, I, it is. And the thing about Hannibal is, Hannibal is well-mannered. He mm-hmm. does the polite sure. thing. Like he's polite. He was he's polite to Miriam Lass. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like he's polite. Mm-hmm. And when someone slips, the polite thing to do is to reach out to them. I think sure. I think his knee-jerk reactions are to do the thing that would allow allows him best to blend in with good people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think it's ultimately why Mads Mikkelsen is so perfect yeah. in this role because the actual person, Mads Mikkelsen, whom I know very intimately in my mind, <laughs> not in real life. <laughs> um, anyway, he's rumored to be, you know, especially kind and gentle and lovely. And I think that that this is where the actor and the character fuse together so beautifully because we get to see the very natural good naturedness of Mads Mikkelsen, the man sort of filtered through the psychopathy of Hannibal. Right. And it's delicious. 
until we get to go back and see him, you know, in that first scene from the season when we get to, yeah. <laughs> to I, that point again. I was talking to someone. I was talking to someone in the industry, uh, makeup artist actually, who said that there was actually written into the script at some point a kiss shared between the two. And I'm between for this episode or for the why within the show somewhere within the show. And I'm, I, I, I have no idea where it would have happened, but this was one of those moments where I was like, Hmm, I wonder if Mm -hmm. it feels still a little too early for me, but it it, uh, definitely that heat in that moment, you're gonna, you're gonna know it when you see it. Okay, cool. I'll say this. Yeah. Like my male friends and I, I don't have, I'm not like, put off by physical affection shown between friends. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and so when Hannibal holds Will by the back of his head mm-hmm. and is like really close to him, like I saw that as love. I didn't necessarily see it as sexy. Do you know what You're I'm saying? Like I saw it so as loving. wrong, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that as romantic love 100%, especially with what he says. With all my knowledge and intuition, I could never entirely predict you. That is. Did he like, say intuition? Didn't he say yes. manipulation or something actual, like that? No. With all my knowledge and intuition, I could never entirely predict you, is what he says. That's fucking beautiful and romantic as hell. If someone says that to yeah. me, that's not a friend saying that to me. That is, that is a. That's somebody who's ready to switch right there. Well, and you put, if you put your hand on the back of someone's neck and you keep maintain a distance, that's one, there's a meaning, one meaning to that gesture. But when you lean your head in and almost touch foreheads while you're doing that, you're pulling, it, it is a, it a precursor to a kiss that it, it may not end in a kiss. And I'm so glad that they don't go to the kiss because it keeps that this moment being more resonant with me and I think Mm -hmm. we stay not to like give anything away but I think we stay in this tension-filled pre-moment um as long as I think we should Mm -hmm. yeah in the show and I was just happy that Mm -hmm. when I did watch this show the first time it was streaming and I could just hit next. <laughs> and with that, yeah. Um, as we do every episode, we have amazing recommendations based on what we've just watched. And oh, wow, I'm so glad that Lisa has the recommendation for this episode because I can't wait. If you liked what was up in this episode of Hannibal, Lisa definitely has something else you might like. I hope that- What this- are we saying was up? that's for you to decide okay Um, i am not going to recommend a romance believe it or not though i could (laughs) no this particular episode with all of like the bloody gory animal stuff and how Mm -hmm. like how gnarly it is but also how like really gorgeous it is and it like really gives you this sense of like the kind of like innate power of Mm. these animals specifically the horses i mean like what you were saying justin horses are creepy as fuck i mean they're beautiful creatures but they're creepy as fuck um (laughs) and but anyway so it actually put me in the mind and i had it it put me in the mind of princess mononoke Mm. um the first time i saw that movie roughly when it came out Mm -hmm. um back in like 98 or something 99 is when I saw it yeah and um it completely changed my brain it was one of those like I engaged with a work of art that changed me um and that was Princess Mononoke and I mean for anybody who hasn't heard of it or is unfamiliar with Hayao Miyazaki like this just absolutely stunningly beautiful visceral um animated movie about these forest spirits and the people who share the world with them it is so insanely gorgeous 
Yeah. And there's a lot of bloody animals in it. If you liked that about this episode, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. And also it's fucking great. Princess Mononoke is my recommendation. A beautiful recommendation. Oh, you always fill my heart with your recommendations, Lisa. Always. You always hit me. And I always end up watching what you recommend too. I mean, I I do all of the things that everybody recommends. Um, But I also just want to say this. If you're listening to this episode and you are, I'm sorry. No, yes. If you're listening to this episode and to this podcast in general, and you are unfamiliar with Hayao Miyazaki, shoot us an email so that we can just chat about where you are. <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, Princess Mononoke has another uh, popsicle sort of throwback because I believe Neil Gaiman wrote the English adaptation. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow, absolutely. Look at that. absolutely. Yeah. Look at that. Check it out. That's be- that's Next just she owns. Ah, perfect. And it all comes back. The big circle just keeps going and going. Can I just it's say how proud true. I am of us? for having discussed this entire episode and no one not once mentioned Equus. I'm just, I'm just so pleased. Until now. Yeah, you killed it. You ruined it. You did it, it Claire. You killed it. <laughs> ruined it. You killed it. And what <laughs> needs to be spoken about more than Equus? We can go down that route. No one needs to talk about Equus. Um, well, now I'm thinking about naked Daniel Rankin. Yeah, that's what I, that's where my went, mind went too. There for, yeah. <laughs> I went to people a couple years ago who were trying to do a gender swap version of Equus, and I was like, get out of here. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> anyway, so we've come to the end. <laughs> there is ever a time to end it. It's now of another episode. <laughs> Join us next week as we discuss season two, episode nine of Hannibal. Um, we have a lot of other offerings, as we mentioned, Neil Gaiman. You can head back to the beginning of all of this and listen to us discuss in depth Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. Um, and you can also catch our other show that we have called That Episode Was, where we watch a TV show IRL. The first one is Why the Last Man. Wow, I hope we get season two. Um, but while we are all praying for season two of that show, we're going to watch the final season of The Expanse. And that's happening actually now while you're listening to me talk. So go check that out. You can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment on all of our things. And I would like to emphasize the word nice. Follow us <laughs> at PopsiclePod on all social media platforms or sign up for our newsletter, which is free at PopsiclePod.com for all past, upcoming, and ongoing podcasts and related info. That is PopsiclePod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Until next time, Domo Arigato. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.